Brenda Milner's husband, Terry, who passed away last year, was supported by the community palliative care team at Echuca Regional Health. Brenda shared her story with the Riverine Herald for Dying to Know Day on Saturday, August 8th. I was born in a country town in the Mallee called Rainbow. Started school there, moved to a bayside suburb in Melbourne when I was 10. Got married at 17, 18, sorry. Got married at 18, uh, lived down in the bayside for 20 years and moved to Echuca in 1992. Yeah, I worked in uh, racing stables. I was what's classed as a strapper, just looking after the horses and race day duties and things like that. And my husband did the same. He was a jockey, ex-jockey. So we came to Echuca, so he was trained race horses so oh, yeah. and we brought it we had a garden ornament business and brought that and the training and set up in a chica with our family here we've got three girls uh donna kelly and brooke brooke uh donna is in bendigo kelly's in melbourne and brooke's here and would you mind just telling me a bit about um your situation at the moment um have you come to be in the palliative care program at erh um yeah terry was diagnosed with cancer um, in April of 2017. And Terry's your husband? My husband, yes, yeah, sorry. Um, and from there we were referred to palliative care, which for the first 12 months we didn't really have a lot to do with, but progressively he got worse and then we had a lot to do with palliative care. He had uh, a primary with bladder cancer and breast cancer. So initially when you say you weren't that involved with it, was it just... Um check-ins at the start? Just check-ins because he was going well with his treatment, like he was okay with his treatment. Um, So yeah, monthly check-ins at the start. As it um, progressed, I guess, what type of care did that end up um, looking like? What did the care know? Well, they were very, very hands-on. They were hands-on with, um, he had kidney failure, so he had to have, you'll have to find that off the palliative care girls, what Mm. they're called, but he had bags for kidneys. So yeah, that's pretty important to know how to get that right. So yeah. they came and they were always on top of that and um, just a very, very big help um, with that. Uh, mentally, just, I don't know. We used to call them Terry's Angels. <laughs> so I don't really know how to explain how good they were to have. Like they yeah. were great to have as backup support um, just just talking uh, unfortunately the last two weeks he had to spend in Bendigo so we didn't have direct communication with them but they, mm. they were on the phone all the time um, and yes they were very good in helping to know how to discuss things to put things in place for after Terry's passing um, a lot of good advice from them as to how to deal with it how to explain to the family how to the family to deal and not just during that time but um after that time as well like they were still on the phone and and very caring and just just amazing I I can't that's my word for them was just amazing which is why I've agreed to do this because I feel like I can give back to them by doing it through their advice did you have conversations in your family about planning for those last days and was well that that was their advice but terry wasn't very good at talking about that but my advice too if if i could advise others Mm. 
I would be taking their advice and Terry wanted to tell me but he didn't want to discuss it with the family but that leaves this person in an awkward situation because you you've got to tell the family but it's not coming directly for him do you know what I mean so their advice was was great um and their help to me through that was great and to him but he just didn't really want to open up a great deal about it but for me being through it I would advise the patient to talk to his, to the whole family it's difficult but it leaves the person behind in a difficult position if if the primary person hasn't discussed with with the whole family what they really want because it leaves this person to make all those decisions on mm. his behalf when he's made them but not to everyone else i don't know that i would have done a lot any different really I, most definitely um the palliative care, we were a little bit jubilant about it at first because you hear palliative care and you go deaf and you back off. But probably had more contact with them earlier, allowed them more contact. They wanted it, but we, we were fine. But probably allowed them more contact earlier than what we did, like let them, let them be there let them, and listen to what they've got to say. Just be open to what they are trying to do. Jamali came out a lot, who was, Terry just loved her, they had a lot of jokes together. Jamali, Libby, uh, Pam, Jan, that was the four main people that we were involved with. And how important was the trust and bond with those girls? Oh, huge, because he was a very, um, well most men are, like as I say, with the bags, and he also had a colostomy bag. And for those girls to have to come out, for him to allow them, to even look at that, let alone change it. And the the bond was, and the trust was huge, which is why they were nicknamed Terry's Angels. No, that, and that they had a way about them that it was just, yeah, it was just an immediate connection because they were so good. I look, I think I've said how, how indebted to, I think indebted mm. to them is a good, um, a good word because yeah, they, so they helped me a lot as well as him. As a, as a couple going through it, they, they helped us a lot. Pam is a community palliative care nurse at Echuca Regional Health and one of the nurses who cared for Terry through the latest stage of his battle with cancer. I was community nursing for 15 years and then I moved into palliative care, so probably somewhere between six and 10 years. Basically, um, it's working with people that have a life-limiting illness for which there's no curative treatment and um, sometimes that can be um, a cancer-related illness but, but also a chronic medical um, condition which has le- reached its end stage. So working with um, patients and their families to help manage their day-to-day symptoms um, so that they can enjoy the best quality of life that's possible within the confines of their illness. We find um, it's good if we get involved earlier rather than later mm-hmm. because it gives us the opportunity to build up a rapport with families. They trust us. There's a lot of personal information that they um, uh, share with us and we really need a little bit of time to develop that relationship. It's always helpful if they've seen us um, over a number of months rather than just weeks. Um, having said that though, um, everyone's different and some, some people are not ready 
to go there and, and we have to respect that as well. And also part of my, our role is um, bereavement follow-up. So when someone passes away, we don't just leave people to their own devices. We, we do have a program in place that we follow and we offer people bereavement follow-up, which takes the form of phone calls um, at three months and six months, um, a visit, a face-to-face -face visit um, within the first few weeks after someone's passed away and, um, and also a card gets sent at 12 months and an invitation to take part in an annual memorial service um, which this year looked a bit different because of COVID mm. but normally we would meet in the education centre for that annual memorial service and um, families get invited to come along and take part in that. And a bit of advocacy too, you know, like um, you know, if we visit someone and, and they've got a really, they're struggling with, for example, nausea mm. and um, so we can often email or ring their doctor and say, well, look, this is what's happening. What do you think about trying this or that or whatever? Um, and we do um, have access to a specialist palliative care service in Bendigo. Mm. That can be really helpful because occasionally the symptoms are really complex and uh, they just need that specialist input. So how important are those conversations between families and their loved ones around end-of-life care and what their wishes are? They're absolutely vital. Um, and it's difficult because the vast majority of people don't want to talk about death. It's a taboo topic. And I think there's a fear out there that if, if I start talking about it, then it's going to happen. Mm. Um, so it, it's a process of, I guess, gradually... Um, giving people the opportunity to, to, to get there at their own pace. Um, certainly when we first visit someone, uh, our first face-to-face um, -face visit, they're often not ready to, to have those conversations then. Uh, so we, we would try to follow up on either the second or the third visit and start talking about completing what's called an advanced care directive, um, which uh, guides people. There's some questions in the directive that, that guide people to think about what's important for their loved one, uh, things that they may not know about their loved one, what their wishes are, um, things like the people that they want to have around them when they're dying, um, any little uh, idiosyncrasies like, for example, uh, they could want to have certain music playing or um, might want to be dressed up in their footy colours, um, all sorts of little things like that. And sometimes families don't know those things, um, surprisingly. You would think that, that you would. Um, obviously, they'd know their footy team, but sometimes there's, there's things that come out in those conversations and families are really surprised and, and really grateful that they've had the opportunity to know those things. We often find that there's a lot more anxiety and tension Mm. when those conversations haven't happened and um, yeah there's just that that I don't know there's um, not the cohesion that you can sometimes achieve um, and it sounds crazy to say that sometimes death can be beautiful but there have been many times when we've all said that was such a beautiful death 
um, because the family were all on the one page, they were united, they knew what their loved one wanted, what was important to their loved one and, and there was that sense of unity uh, and you can feel that, you can certainly sense that. Um, and you know, to a certain degree, it's a little bit unpredictable sometimes how mm. things are going to play out. Ideally, we like to do our best to ensure that um, people are, are comfortable and peaceful. But unfortunately, there are times when even the best of efforts, you can't always ensure that. But, but that's certainly what we aim to do.